Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Marcus Sheridan. And if this is your first time meeting or hearing Marcus, uh, you're definitely in for a treat today. He's a highly sought after international keynote speaker. He's been dubbed the web marketing guru by New York Times. And in 2017, Forbes named Marcus one of the 20 speakers you don't want to miss. And he's an author of the content marketing guidebook called They Ask You Answer, which is the topic of today's conversation, the topic of his new course, Inside Growth Institute. Welcome to Conversations at the Edge. And where are you calling in from today? From Virginia, the edge of the United States, I guess. So it's very fitting, Alex. Um, with that, Marcus, you know, I want to jump right in. I want to kind of start from the top so people understand what is this They Ask You Answer methodology and and how did you come up with it? Yeah, so the quick story is I started a swimming pool company out of uh, college in 2001, and we were striving to grow the business. And we were somewhat up until 2008 when the market collapsed. And everybody remembers the, the housing collapse and whatnot of 2008, 2009. And it was during this time I thought we were going to lose the business. And so in this period of stress. And by the way, stress is sometimes the most beautiful thing in business because that's oftentimes where the innovation comes from, right? And so during this time of stress, I started to really just think about how I had changed as a buyer, as a consumer. And I started to research online things like inbound marketing, content marketing, these newer phrases that have been popping up. And what I heard as I read about this stuff was, you know, Marcus, if you just obsess over your customers' questions, worries, fears, issues, concerns, and you're willing to address them on your website through text, through video, you might save your business. So I said, well, shoot, there's one thing I can do is I can listen really well and I can answer those questions. I can do it online. And so I can recall sitting down on my kitchen table one night and brainstorming every single question I'd ever received about, in my case, fiberglass swimming pools. And uh, one by one, over the next couple of years, every single night, I was writing an article or producing a little video that would address them. And I call this philosophy, which today is really a framework more than anything, they ask you answer to my business partners. I said, this is, our, this is, this is what we're going to call it. They ask you answer. And um, to make a long story short, within a couple of years, became the most traffic swing pool website in the world. I started to teach people what I was doing through a personal blog. Uh, that took off. Companies then started to say, hey, Marcus, can you share that story about your pool company at my event? Others started to say, can you teach us how to do that? And so I became a full-time speaker. I started an agency. The agency today is called Impact. It's got about 70 employees. We work with uh, all types of companies on an international level, help them to implement the Ask You Answer, which of course became a book. Um, there's uh, The original version came out in 2017 and revised came out in 2019. It's a very evergreen book. Um, it's been read by a couple hundred thousand uh, businesses now, and it's been really life-changing to, to many, many people. And the core though, Alex, hasn't changed, which is an obsession with the way the buyer thinks, specifically their questions, worries, fears, issues, concerns, and our willingness to address them, especially when they're vetting us online and we don't even know who they are, right? Our willingness to address it on the front end. So it's got a marketing side to it. It's got a sales side to it, uh, but it's very much a framework and a philosophy 
and it's and it works really works so when you're teaching clients and working with companies how do you see that like sales marketing relationship is there a certain structure that you're encouraging them to adapt? Like I assume it's different in different well, a companies. A lot of our companies but- have, have a revenue team that we help implement, right? Because look, silos are prolific when it comes to sales, leadership, marketing teams. Why is this? You talk to most marketers and you say, how often do you meet? And they say, oh, we meet once a me- week as a team. Okay. Does anybody on the sales team in that meeting? Oh, no, they're not. But we do have a catch up. Like that's dumb. You should have a salesperson on every single one of your marketing, like your main marketing meetings, especially because if you're dictating things like editorial calendar and sales has no input in editorial calendar, what the heck, right? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But at the same time, marketing should be in sales teams meetings because if sales is constantly hearing some of the new doubts, concerns, worries, issues, fears that the prospect that the buyer is discussing, well, marketing needs to hear that firsthand because they should be saying to themselves, okay, how come that's not addressed on the website? How come we haven't produced some content around that, right? What's our IP around that? What's our doctrine around that? And so this is how you can quickly get everybody on the same page. And you know, besides that, if you really understand what great digital selling looks like today, marketing, selling marketing has got to be really, really aligned. So uh, best salespeople today integrate content into the sales process. Now, every marketer wishes that would happen. Problem though is, and there's a bunch of problems with this, but oftentimes sales doesn't even know the, the content that's been produced by marketing. They weren't involved at all in the editorial planning of said content. There was no input. They haven't really been taught how to integrate content into the sales process. Marketing oftentimes isn't producing content that very specifically answers those questions that buyers have, especially in the bottom of the funnel. And that's with any content strategy, you should start at the bottom of the funnel. Most companies don't. They start top or outside the funnel. Stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why in the world would you do that? If you're starting, uh, like, imagine, imagine a dumb example here. Like, if I was as a swimming pool company producing a piece of content that was, that was like five fun games to play in your swimming pool. Now, that might do well on social media. That's a stupid article. That's a dumb video. Why? Because over the course of 10 years of selling swimming pools, guess how many people ask me the question, Marcus, what are some really fun games I could play in my swimming pool? Not a stinking one. Why would I ever produce that? If my marketing team produced that as a salesperson, I'd be like, what the heck is this? I don't need this. Here's what I need you to do. You know, I need you to talk about what's the difference between a fiberglass and a concrete pool. So they know that before they ask me, because if they're asking me that question when I get to a sales appointment, there's a really good chance they're not ready to buy because they haven't even figured out what type of pool they want yet. So the they ask you answer uh, methodology, there's five core questions that you're, that you're answering. Um, can you walk us through what those are? Look at it like this. There's five core subjects that you're addressing because that's what the marketplace really stinking cares about when they're researching a product, a service, B2B, B2C. It doesn't matter. Don't put yourself in that corner of you're different because you're not. Doesn't matter. You're not complex. Everybody's complex. So don't even go there. Don't even go there, y'all. We're all in the same like psychological bed, if you will, in terms of the way that we behave online, B2B and B2C. Okay. So there's five subjects that we tend to research before we reach out to a company, before we make a purchase. What are the five? We're obsessed with how much is it? Cost pricing questions. We're obsessed with 
um, problems, negatives, issues. How could this go wrong? How could this blow up in my face? First one's cost, second one's problems, third one's comparisons. We love to compare stuff online. Think about how many times you've said this versus that online. So we're constantly comparing online because we want to feel like we've done some type of comparative analysis so that we choose the right one for us. I mean, we choose the best one, we just want to choose the right one. Number four, reviews. But here's the thing about reviews. With reviews, we want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. We want to know who's for, who's not for. All right. We don't want to just somebody just tell us it's awesome. That's a worthless review. We want to hear pros and cons and why. And then finally, number five, best. Best, most, top, anything that's extreme, because people are constantly researching best, whatever, whatever that thing is, doesn't matter. Think of how many times you search the word best or derivative of best when you were searching in Google. So costs, problems, comparisons, reviews, best. Those are the big five. They run the economy. And here's what's fascinating. Although we as buyers are obsessed with them, businesses generally don't like to talk about them. And so this creates a paradox of once business don't want to address it until you actually ask them face to face, if at all. But the buyer wants to know it during the 80% before they've even talked, before they've even reached out to the company, right? So if you're willing to address these five things on the front end, then you're just going to um, build so much trust, so much more than anybody else in your space. But you've got to be willing to go where no one has gone before, for the most part, in your industry, right? Probably if you're at a B2B service, for example, at least 90% of your industry is not talking about cost and price on their website right now, which is ridiculous. It should, like if you hear that, you should just start running to your stinking laptops, start typing out cost price article to explain pricing in your industry because every stinking person wants to know. And literally, it doesn't matter how complex it is. In fact, you know what? If your pricing is complex, and I know I'm jumping ahead, Alex, you need to learn how to explain it in a simplified way. And by putting it down on paper, that actually helps you to really formulate what that messaging should look like, right? And so these five subjects rule the economy. Most businesses don't talk about them. Every buyer and consumer wants to know about them. That's the issue, but that's also the opportunity. Yeah. So I do want to go deeper into pricing because yeah. you know, in the program, you mentioned, and you just mentioned it a minute ago, Companies are not sharing pricing because it's complex, maybe because it's expensive. They don't want to scare people away. Their solution is complex. It's custom, whatever it is. But you argue that not talking about the price will actually scare them away from maybe even having a conversation. What scares us away online is ignorance. That's what scares us online. Great education does not scare us away. Great education makes us say, man, that was helpful. But when we... Don't address things that everybody wants to know. We plant seeds of doubt. And when see, seeds of doubt exist, inertia occurs. People stop. To understand pricing, you just got to look in the mirror, folks. You got to be very self-aware. And it's amazing to me how many people deny their own behavior when it comes to the way they should be marketing their business, their product, their service. Because if I said to you, have you researched how much something costs online? You say, of course, Marcus, I do it all the time. If I say, if you're on a website looking for cost and price, you cannot find it. What's the emotion you experience? You're going to say, I feel frustrated. If I say to you, okay, when you feel frustrated, why do you feel frustrated? You're like, oh, I feel frustrated because I'm a stinking buyer and I'm trying to give them their money and they're making it really hard on me. Okay. So in that moment of frustration, do you use the buyer? Do you use the searcher? Do you just keep looking on the website? You're like, no, that's ridiculous, Marcus. If I said to you in that moment, do you say to yourself, oh, that's okay. They're not talking about cost and price or a value-based business. You're like, heck no, that's, a, that's crazy. I'm not just going to say that's fine. 
I'm not going to just call them on the phone and say, hey, I know you're not talking about this stuff, but just curious, <laughs> how much is it? What you're going to do is you're going to keep searching until you find an answer. And generally speaking, whoever gives you the answer you're looking for, it'll, they're going to get, get first contact at, at a minimum. And very likely, they're going to get your business. Now, people hear that and they're like, well, but you don't understand, to your point. Uh, I have a very customized solution. It's a lame excuse. In fact, that it's an argument to talk about pricing. Because if you want to talk about pricing, here's how you do it. Four fundamental components of a pricing page. What drives costs up for that product or service? What drives costs down for that product or service in the industry as a whole? Okay, you're teaching them about the marketplace right now. Number three, why are some companies so expensive? Number four, why are some companies so cheap? Now you get your value differentiation between the company and value differentiation between the actual product or service, right? Because those are two different subject areas. Then finally, number five, fifth component of a pricing page is where do you fall after what you've just explained to them? So 80% of it is teaching them about the marketplace. You do not have to put your exact pricing. Everybody thinks, I got to put my price. We're not saying you got to put your pricing. Now you should at least put ranges. If not, you're doing them a disservice to yourself and to everybody. I mean, come on. You can't give a range. And if somebody was talking to you right now and they said, just give me a feel. What are we looking at? I'm not going to hold you to it. Just give me a feel. Of course you could do that. Of course you could do that, right? And so the idea of it depends, again, is easy to address by those five things I just explained right there. Sometimes people say, I don't want my competitors to see it. Well, that's ridiculous because you know your competitor's pricing roughly. They know your pricing, at least roughly. This is the big secret, non-secret. Everybody acts like nobody knows what everybody's charging. Everybody pretty much has a pretty good sense as to what everybody else is charging in an industry, especially if they're a direct competitor to yours. I knew. And look, I've done my market research. So if you're worth your salt at all as a salesperson, as a company, you know what the marketplace is charging. Third reason why we don't like to talk about price, we say, well, we tend to be more expensive. We might scare them away. Again, to your point, Alex, what scares people away is ignorance. That's what plants the seed of doubt. But when we educate them really well and we say, here's what drives the cost, da, 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 they're like, oh, finally, now I understand. Now I get it. You know, for years, I used to complain that people thought swimming pools were $25,000 when I would go into homes. And I'll just get mad at them. I should have been getting mad at myself. I was the one that allowed them to live in a state of ignorance. You see, nobody in high school, nobody in college takes a class on how much should a swimming pool cost. And so, once we actually produced this piece, we were the first swimming pool company in the world talked about cost, even though everybody said you couldn't do it. We did it openly, transparently. That article, now I've got an updated number on the ROI of the article, $25 million in revenue at a minimum from that one single article, okay? $25 million in revenue because we were the first ones to talk about cost and price for fiberglass pools in our industry. And people still will tell me, oh, that's too complex. You can't do that with a pool. It's like, give me a break. I've got the data. See, people that say that, they have no data. They don't have, they have no historical evidence. I have now hundreds and hundreds of companies and clients that have talked about cost and price for 80% of the clients I've worked with, at least half of which are B2B. The number one traffic lead in sales producing content, oh, ding, 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 you guessed it. It's about cost and price. It's inarguable. You can't, you can't, you can't argue with it. I, I, I just don't have any patience for it at this point. And besides that, if you don't want to talk about cost and price, here's what you're saying. I don't believe in treating people as I myself would like to be treated. You don't believe in the golden rule when it comes to your customers. That ain't cool in my opinion. And so if somebody says, yeah, I really do believe in the golden rule. I want to treat them as I would want to be treated. Well, you can't argue this. Now, here's where, where it gets gray. You can't always answer the question. That's why, even though it's called they ask you answer, the perfect 
title for the framework really would be they ask you address it really, really well. But that's not a good title <laughs> for a book. That's not a good title. So it's they ask you answer. But you got to remember, it's they ask you address it really, really well, however well that is for you. So if you're in the financial space and you've got like all these regulations, compliances, okay, then you say what you can say. Sometimes the answer is why you can't specifically answer it. You might source others, you might quote others, but you can't address the question, right? It's the same thing for every single industry. I haven't seen an industry where compliance, where regulations got in the way of addressing conversations. So we have uh, a comment from one of the community members, Marcus, nice to see your success. Great points on clarity between marketing and sales. It sounds like empathy uh, and take the buyer's perspective. It's a great distinction about the blog, realizing we need a learning center. And then his question is, if pricing can be all over, but ROI is easy to discuss, would that be a a way to address the pricing concept? No, because the ROI concept is really self-serving if you look at it. Like, can you address it? Yes. And could that be a subcomponent of your pricing article as you're really so I've I've to this day, Alex, I've never ever had a pricing mo- like model system for any product or service and really lean towards B2B, B2C almost always much more cut and dry here. I have never found one that we couldn't explain it. That we that we couldn't really say, like just the other day, I was talking to this software company and I was given a, basically a presentation to them online. And this one person said, but Marcus, it's so complex. I'm like, tell me all the reasons why it's complex. She said, well, I mean, because I said, I imagine there's different tiers in your industry. It's oftentimes a low, a mid and a high tier. Does it work like that in your industry? She says, no, it doesn't work like that in our industry. The way that it works in our industry is we have different types of pricing structures. There's multiple pricing structures. I'm like, keep going. Because she's already starting to write the article as she's speaking, right? But it's like crazy. People don't even realize they're doing it. It's like, as soon as I say, tell me about that. Explain that to me. How does that exactly work in your industry? Then all of a sudden, it's like crystal clear. I have literally, and it's always obvious. And I'm like, that's not very complex. What was complex about that? It's crazy how this works. And so what's interesting too is your sales team is constantly addressing this to a degree. And what's also very sad is I ask companies, have you ever had to justify your pricing? They're like, yeah, we've had to justify it before. Now, here's the sad part. Many more people wanted you to justify but they never made it to that point in the sales process to ask a salesperson, well, explain that to me. So you lost a ton, but you see, you can't count the losses of that which you don't even know exist. If you and I could count the losses of people we have had that would have been leads, but we ignored them and thus they didn't become a lead, we would all vomit in our mouth on the spot. No joke, because it's an outrageously high number. It's just so scary. So people don't know what they're losing. And so because they don't know what they're losing, they focus more on the fact that, well, you know, I mean, we just wait till the, to that point in the process, or that's the way that it's done in our industry. There's a lot of places like, like SaaS products are prolific at this. They force you to go down their sales cycle 
their sales funnel and they want you to do the demo on their terms and not your terms. And then finally, after all is said and done, if you've had the patience, and God bless you if you do, to get to that point, then you might get a price. You cannot tell me a company's better off doing it that way. Do we really think in 10 years that these SaaS companies are going to force all of us to go through a demo before we get pricing? <laughs> really? No! No, no way. No way. And here's what's funny too. As soon as the dominoes fall, they fall. So let me give you an example, Alex. I remember teaching the manufacturers in the marine industry about pricing. And they all said, well, we don't set the end price. That's the retailer. I'm like, yeah, but you have a sense for what they're going to spend. You got an MSRP. Um, Boats are complex. You know, there's lots of options and features. You should have pricing calculators. Everybody's like, no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> so I got a couple of stories on this one. And uh, so I said, somebody's going to do it. And when they do, all you are going to change your tune. And then one did it. And then another. And then that started to become the expectation and not the exception. And so now many of those companies have been left behind because they refuse to do it. So almost like something like 70% of marine manufacturers now have pricing calculators on their websites. That's how it works. That's how it works. So you can either be a rule breaker, you can be a rule maker, or you can be a rule follower. But I can tell you, one of them gets left behind. Uh, any final words for the community before we sign off for the day? You know, I, I would just go back to this. And I know I, I said it, but we really do have to be more self-aware when we're talking about our products and services and say so simply, what would I want to learn right now? What would I ask right now? And what if I couldn't get that answer? What if that wasn't addressed? But what if it was, right? And so the opportunity is there. Embrace transparency and honesty. And we talk about it as companies, but we don't so often do it. This is your opportunity to do it. It's so fun. It's fun to be seen as a teacher, as an advisor. Your sales team will love this. It'll improve their sales experiences, their sales meetings, because it's a more educated buyer. And so if you're listening to this, I hope you uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow me there. That's where I live. Alex, a lot of fun. Hopefully everybody watches the course. I know they're going to get a lot of value from it. Definitely. A lot of ideas too. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.